KXSF LP, San Francisco, 102.5 FM. Taking over on the FM airwaves now from our frequency partner, KSFP, San Francisco Public Press. Thanks you all for holding it down. Thanks to DJ Shan for this beautiful transition. Yeah, yeah, that one. And uh, yeah, thanks to them. Thanks to DJ Shan. Thanks to Moonlight Standard Time for for holding it down, for being here. And uh, I was a little late rolling in, obviously. We have a wonderful show. I'm excited to interview Poet and have a reading from Poet Nia McAllister, our second Sunday's Poets, as we most always do every second Sundays. Every once in a while it slips to the third. But here at San Francisco Community Radio, it's the culture that matters. And so, but I do want to say a few words in memoriam, in fact. And we're going to just start out with that. You know, a legend, a legend just passed today. A legend in hip-hop. Um, someone who really... Influenced a lot of people, certainly influenced me. Gone today, David Jude, Trugoy the Dove, Plug 2, Jolicoeur, or in the Creole, beautiful heart out of Long Island and with Haitian-American roots of the native tongue, family redefining hip-hop. And of course, we got to play, we got to play some of that. This is again... KXSFLP San Francisco 102.5 FM and this is from three feet high and rising say no go frequency uplift rise of power Right on down to the skit. A baby is brought into a world of pits. And if we could have talked that soon in a delivery room, it would have asked the nurse for a hit. The reason for this, the mother is a jerk. Excuse me, junkie, which brought the work of the old into a new life. What a way. But this what a way has been a way up to date. Anyway, push couldn't shove me to understand a path to a base set. Consumers should have raised it in a first wave. Cause second wave from believers and believers will walk to it then even talk to it and say. That tell him what to say, Mace. Drugs are like clever, you don't want to wear it. No need to ask that question, just don't mention 
you know what the answer is. Now I never fancy Nancy, but the statement she made held a plate of weight. I even stressed it to wait. Did he take any heat? Nah, the boy was hooked. You could phrase the word bass, and the kid just shit. In his fashion class, once a now and left. The rock moves him now. The only designs left were once clothes made for Oshkosh has converted to nothing but stonewash. Now hopping in a barrel is a barrel of fun, but don't hop in if you wanna be down, son. Cause down can mean down and out is an action. What does it lead to? Dum, 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 dum. People say, what have I done for all my years? My tears show my hard earned work. I heard shoving is worse than pushing, but I'd rather know a shovel than a pusher, cause a pusher's a jerk. Rise in power, David, Jude, Trugoy, the Dove, Plug 2, Jolicoeur. Of course, there's this. Yo, something's wrong here. Yeah, it is. No, not again. Get the daisies for the hot holes in my lawn. What to do when sucker lunatics start digging and chewing? They don't know that the soul don't go for that potholes in my lawn. And that goes for my rhyme sheet, which I concentrated so hard on. See, I don't ask for maximum security, but my dwelling is swelling. It lit my butt when I happened to fall into a spot where no ink or an ink block was on the scroll. I just wrote me a new mode, but now it's gone. Cause those suckers knew that I hate to recognize that every time I'm writing it's gone. Untended cause eyes has now pardoned on laws of privacy. These and pause are after 
my writer's seat. I perceive that everyone's saying what to do when suckers are praying upon my well-guarded spreadsheets. Oh, why hell does it send up fleets of evil doers through the big hole that get to evil doers who dig holes, which leaves my lawn with lawn shoe. I think I better plant traces to give clues, or better yet, call 911. And when they get here, I inform them I'm the plug one of the plug chair and let them realize the reason for concern of the soul, because we've come down with a case of potholes. I concentrated so hard on C. I don't ask for a bob wide fence beat. My dwelling is swelling. It lit my butt when I happened to fall into a spot where no ink or an ink blot was on a scroll. I just wrote me a new mold, but now it's gone. Cause those suckers do that. I hate to recognize that every time I'm writing, it's gone. Potholes in my lawn. Fools here, the little five in the back also passed a while back, but uh, that was De La Soul, of course. Three, three foot high rising, potholes in my lawn. And before that, I mean, who back in 1989 was yodeling. On a record, on a hip hop record, please, man, that's a, that's a uh, he was a beautiful man. Did some great stuff, did some amazing stuff. Rising power, David Ju, True Greatly Dove, Plug Two, or just Dave, Jolie Coeur, at the Long Island, Pasta Noose and Mace, at the Native Tongue family, redefining hip hop in the eighties and nineties. And just, just, like, must have been weeks ago, after many years of struggle with corporate industry, got the rights and the masters back. 
So you can stream this stuff now. Couldn't stream it for quite a while. Yeah. Well, it is running a little late, and I am excited. Excited to uh, welcome our our poet. It's coming through soon. Got to get on the Zoom. Neil McAllister, our second Sunday poet. Neil McAllister, a Bay Area-born poet, environmental justice advocate who works at the intersection of art, activism, and public engagement. She's also Senior Public Programs Manager at the Museum of the African Diaspora, MOAD, in San Francisco. Nia creates participatory spaces for creative expression, literary dialogue, community building, founder and host of the Open Mic series there. Also, we'll talk, we get into some depth about this, but some also environmental justice platforms Earth in Color and others. There's, her writing has been featured all over. But uh, we can start off with a bit of a poet's playlist and get, get her on the line. Because that's just the way it is today. Rolled in on my bike just a little late. And, you know... Thanks again. I want to just actually take uh, a minute to to uh, let you know about our underwriter because that's what we got to do. Uh, you know, this show and and San Francisco Community Radio is sponsored by um, by Old Jerusalem. Old Jerusalem is. A wonderful Middle Eastern restaurant there in the heart of the mission. Small family-owned Mediterranean restaurant with a beautiful heated outdoor patio. 18, uh, 16 years in the heart of the mission. Their West Bank cuisine is a traditional spread of Middle Eastern delights. And uh, from shawarma to kebabs, vegetarian dishes, their famous, famous dessert, kanafa, made in-house on a traditional cast-iron griddle. So you can check them out at their website, www.oldjerusalem.co, or visit at 2966 Mission at 26th Street, two blocks from 24th Street, Bart. We're going to go now with Kokoroko, Age of Ascent, and we'll be back soon.
And that was Kokoroko, favorite favorite band from uh, from the UK, from uh, from Northeast London, South. Some of them. Um, and I am honored and blessed, and uh, slightly slightly uh, discombobulated because I had a sleep, a bit of a, a rough transition. And uh, Nia, are you there? Hey, how are you? Yeah, I know I can hear you now. I just was uh, getting my levels right. No worries. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for coming in. And uh, so uh, turn down the uh, the next track on Kokoroko. Um, what, thanks for coming through. I mean, I really uh, have loved the, t- the several times I've heard you read or a couple times I've heard you read and uh, really powerful work. Um, your uh part of uh the the staff and the and the the curatorial and and public platforms work at moad at the museum of the african diaspora published a bunch of amazing stuff um tell so as usual we we have a a transition here and this is a little rougher than normal but uh (laughs) we just played we played uh uh, age of ascent from from kokoroko's um uh latest album um just beautiful work i mean i've really i've been following them for quite a long time and uh i was really pleased to see that that on your playlist tell me tell me about kokoroko for you how you connected with them and yeah absolutely i'm so glad to know that you're a fellow listener um i feel like i came across them in the last few years maybe actually perhaps at the beginning of the pandemic Mm. and found that they were just a really grounding sound for me um, just a place to kind of escape and find some rootedness. Um, a lot of their music is purely instrumental. Um, and I find as someone who is a creative, as a writer, as a dancer, that they're, I'm drawn to their music because it has so many qualities that I can kind of latch onto, but I also find my footing, um, whatever I may be going through or whatever I may be seeking in a moment. It's always music I can come to and just feel kind of at peace. And so I too was excited to hear, you know, new music coming out from them, and which is why I picked this song. Great, yeah, no, it's a wonderful album, and uh, I was—I've uh, kind of missed seeing them a number of times. I—I I have mm. family in, in the UK that I go visit sometimes, and like every time I'm just missing them. They're out on tour somewhere else in Europe. But, uh, um, right, I would love to see them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about your. It's, I mean, here's the here's sort of inspiration where we find it i'm really interested in in origin and inspiration stories and you know you've written some powerful work um in radical magazine from the the uh the platform earth in color um at the meridians journal and and the beautiful work in painting uh painting the streets which we'll talk about in a little bit but mm-hmm. uh tell me how, how did you come to writing how did you find that as a means of expression in your youth 
I feel like I've been always someone who's enjoyed stories. As a kid growing up, I would spend most of my time reading as an only child, immersing myself in other worlds. And so art and expression has always been a part of my life growing up. And I actually didn't see myself as a writer for a while. I was at the forefront for me, I was a dancer. Mm. Um, and that was my principal way of expressing myself through art and, uh, and creativity. Um, but I actually had a injury in college when I was continuing to dance. And it was in that moment that I felt like I pivoted. I had been writing kind of casually for myself before that, um, you know, writing little odds and ends, little lines that came to me and putting them usually in the notes in my phone or a document or a random notebook, but nothing serious. But I found that when my principal mode of kind of self-expression dance was cut off um, because of my injury, at least temporarily, I found I turned to writing as a way to express myself, to get out all the thoughts and feelings that I would have otherwise maybe expressed through dance. Um, and so it was in that period of transition when I kind of started dumping all my thoughts and feelings on the page um, I found that they started forming things that had a little bit more intention to them. And I, you know, started the process of sharing some of those with other folks. Previously, most of my writing, my storytelling had all been for myself. It had not been a public, a public thing at all. And so in this point, when I started sharing with other folks, the reception and the, the feedback I would get from friends or peers was really positive. And some of those people were actually the first people to call me a poet. Mm. And I didn't see that for myself for a little while. Um, but I found that the more and more I started telling my story through poetry, other people found similarities or they found, it, found lines that resonated with them. And that was really important for me to know that, you know, everyone wants to feel like they're not alone. And to see even the small, you know, waves that I could make with the writing or my story that I was sharing seeing how it impacted other people really inspired me. Um, so I would say that's how I really got into writing more seriously. Um, Post-college then, you know, starting to go to open mics, moving back home to the Bay Area, meeting other people that have been just like rooted here in the Bay Area poetry scene, mm. building connections there, learning from those folks. Um, I feel like that has helped me grow in this process. Um, and so it's it's exciting looking back also just to see where I've come from um, and where I am now continuing to de develop my craft. Um, but it kind of, it feels like it still started by accident and still started as something for myself first. Um, though now I'm, you know, coming to stages or sharing my work with other people more publicly. Um, I think that personal element is still very important to me. Yeah. So were there particular mentors or teachers you mentioned? I mean, it's so common for poets here mm -hmm. in the Bay Area. There's such a vivid scene to sort of get a lot of mentoring from fellow poets in the open mic world. But were there other mentors or teachers that sort of pushed you that way or people that were inspirational to you? Yeah, I think in college, I, you know, I think my senior year, I took a uh, writing class or an English class. Um, and one of my professors was one of the first people who kind of prompted me to share my work out loud in the academic setting. Um, this professor, Valerie Thomas, was really informative at that point. Um, seeing me, even though I may have been one of the quieter people in the classroom, seeing me and seeing my potential for writing and encouraging me to step out of my comfort zone and share more, mm -hmm. um, that was really helpful. And I also feel like at that time in my life, I was very intentional about wanting to read 
almost primarily black authors. And so that was something I was doing. I was working at the library doing work study and also checking out a bunch of books at the same time. And so I felt like I read through all of Toni Morrison's books over a summer and yeah. <laughs> spent my time really thinking about all the, the catalog of work of principally black feminist writers, mm. um, whether it was Toni Morrison or Ntozake Shange or Audre Lorde, Bell Hooks, all of these people I think have informed my writing in some way, even if it has just been through reading um, and kind of studying their work and their legacy. And so you started out in the open mic scene uh, when you got back here and moved and uh, what, uh, yes. how, how was that for you kind of side of coming out of um, yeah. a more academic setting and then into, into this, you know, kind of occasionally wild world of right. San Francisco <laughs> poets world. For sure. It was definitely scary. I mean, mm. I did like one open mic in college and it was terrifying. So I was like, I'm not a public speaker. I, I'm not going to be the person who puts myself out there like that. And so, then, you know, moving home and, you know, it's not the context of maybe peers or people who have the same lived experience at a specific academic setting. It's definitely different. Um, you're just out in the world at a random open mic in the Mission District of San Francisco. Um, but I found that I also met a lot of really cool people and listening, I found, was something that was important at these open mics because I was coming into my own, into my own reading style. Um, people had all sorts of styles of performance and some people's I really admired, but I knew that I either didn't want to replicate or couldn't replicate um, their style of performance. And so I think it took a while of, of going to various open mics, whether it was in San Francisco or Oakland and, you know, seeing and listening from other people and kind of finding my cadence and where that fit in with the range of performances that I was seeing. Um, and just, you know, learning that it also can be a space for experimentation, too. Mm -hmm. um, I found that I, mean, I was super nervous going up on these stages at first, but finding that also audiences were super supportive. And some of what I had spoken about before, that just affirmation of people coming up or the conversations after open mics where people can share stories or relate to each other's words, um, that that was really helpful for me getting, getting my footing, too. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've... Uh... I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a, a, a poet that 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 uh, you know. I've I've yet to make that step onto the stage, yeah. shall we say? But um, you know, I, I was really struck how um, how with with the the your cadence and your style when I I think I first heard you reading in the windows, uh, that mm. sort of fun institution of of reading to the street from the windows of the yes. medicine for nightmares bookstore and other places have done that, but uh, that was striking. Um, so tell, mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about your, your, your process, how you work. Is this what moves you to write? Is this a, a daily practice for you? Is it, how, how does, how do you, how do you work mm -hmm. that? I would love for it to be a daily practice. Mm -hmm. I keep telling myself I need to write every day and that's what all the great writers say. Mm -hmm. And so I'm getting there. Um, yeah. Right now, sometimes the poems come to me and that's generally how it seems to happen. Um, I'll go in and out of phases of writing a lot or taking a break, but Oftentimes the poems seem to arrive <laughs> at my doorstep, if you will, like yeah. a line will come to me or I'll even be like reading or consuming other art, whether it's viewing visual art or hearing a song or reading a book and some idea will kind of like spark my curiosity. And from there, either I'll come up with a line or just a concept. Um, and then when I have kind of a moment of stillness, I'll return to that and kind of flesh out 
the words um, in more depth. And I think outside of kind of that individual practice, another thing that I've found helpful recently is, you know, finding and building community with other writers that are here locally. I have some friends that are poets and we'll, you know, take walks and like go to a garden or go to a park and bring our journals with each other mm. or with ourselves and then, you know, do a couple prompts back and forth. And even if what I'm putting on the page doesn't end up being a full blown poem later on, it's still a good exercise of just getting thoughts out without the pressure of this has to be a, a polished piece per se. Okay. Um, so I really think, yeah, having those kind of writing buddies has been really helpful, especially in the last several months where I feel like the words have come to me as, as quickly as I've been used to, mm. um, that, that that kind of accountability has been super helpful. That sounds great. Yeah, I think uh, we all we all need those supports in, in mm -hmm. our artist life for sure. Would you mm -hmm. would you would you share with us a poem now? Maybe to take yeah a, yeah absolutely. What your choice, whatever. You, I think I'll start with a poem that kind of draws on somewhat of what, somewhat of what I've talked about in terms of inspiration from other writers and literary ancestors. Mm. So this piece is entitled "Consort of the Spirits" after Ensuzake Shange. There are roadmaps in my great-great-grandmother's braids. She keeps seeds in there, too, because where we are going, home must come with us. Tell me how your mother hides spices in the hem of her skirt, tucks hymns behind her ears, and calls it packing for tomorrow. Do the women in your family hide rose water in their saliva, sage in between their thighs, because how dare we sleep on strange land without blessing? There are black-eyed peas in my auntie's coin purse. She keeps moonlight in there too, because luck is far more precious than loose change. Tell me how your sister folds indigo leaves between her toes, smuggles cotton flowers under her arms, and promises that where we are going, there will be color. Do the women in your family wrap beeswax around their ring fingers, tuck matchstick, matchsticks in their collarbones, and vow that we will never know darkness? I carry a cowrie shell in the crook of my arm. It sings when my twins are near. I wear sea glass upon my ears because where we are going, there will be music. They call this survival, but we know better. Where there's a woman, there is magic. They call this survival, but we pack what we must because what we return to may no longer be ours. They call this survival, but this ritual of making to leave before knowing where we're headed is how we birth futures. They call this survival, but the body is a compass and we are each other's destination. Wow, that was gorgeous! Thank you, thank uh, you. Yeah, I think that 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 was published. I think, right? I think I've read mm -hmm. that. Where where was that mm -hmm. published? If people can, yeah, go look. For this it, one's maybe. published in in Meridian's Journal, um, okay. which is a publication through Duke University Press. Cool, lovely, lovely poem, and I can feel the influence and just feel mm. the, the 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 beauty of the 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 sentiment and kind of the 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 um, truth the truth telling mm. the, the truth telling in that i mean one of the things um 
that I think we were talking about was that just in the in the back and forth of emails is you know just that it's can be such a political act that truth telling mm -hmm. and there's a wonderful quote that I love from June Jordan saying that all poetry is political because well I don't think it's all but poetry is political as a political act because it involves telling the truth and so really that's that's encompasses both the the personal mm -hmm. and that broader survival sense that you talk about there correct yeah absolutely yeah. um yeah i feel like poets have a responsibility with our words um with what we observe at least that's what i find for myself my writing is a reflection of what i see going on in society and i can't help but bring in that commentary in my writing um, bring in my own lived experience, where I've come from, where I want to see us go. Um, and so, you know, in writing these futures or writing these commentaries, we're also, you know, declaring that we are here and we will continue to be here. Um, and so, yes, I do think poetry is political in that sense. Uh, we can't help it. Well, it seems, I mean, from what I've read and what I've seen, it, that, that activism and community building is really at the center of your, your written work as well as your personal life there. And then do you see these sort of things as inseparable, really kind of entwined, um, making art, making social change and sort of the so social movements influencing them? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think from right, to be able to write from your own personal experience, like you cannot be unbiased <laughs> in yeah, a way yeah. um and so for me because um social justice change liberation those are all things that are important to me that are important to my community that i want to see in the future um that i want to be actively part of building right now i want to use my words and my poetry as a way to communicate that mm -hmm. whether it's reflecting on the injustices that i see um or the histories that we've come from the legacy to get us to where we are right now. I want to use my words as a way to, you know, recognize that legacy, but also speak our futures into existence. Um, whatever small or large impact that may have. Um, I think going back to just the conversations again with people being able to create art through poetry and share that publicly and then have people say, that too is my experience. Um, I think there's a lot of power in that realization of seeing yourself in other people's experience or connecting in that way and then seeing the ripple effects, um, how that you know, spreads out through community, whether that then empowers people to make change in their own way um, or make people think about things differently. I think there is impact in, in everything we say out loud, everything that we write. And so I hope that my poetry is doing that at some scale. Um, so yes, I think they're inseparable for me. Beautiful. Well, um, you know, you, there was, I think, as an exemplar of that, and just a, a beautiful contribution. W w there was a, a poem you wrote in 2022's um, painting the spirit, painting the streets, Oakland uprising in the time of rebellion. A really amazing collection, collecting the art that was on the the the, the you know the. Covid era hoardings, but especially the art that, that and people's poetry about the the uprising during the the after the killings of um, 
of uh, so many people <laughs> during mm -hmm. and and that ongoing struggle and the insurrections that happened during that summer of 22 mm -hmm. you know or 20 2020 um and that was a, a brilliant book again painting the streets oakland uprising in the time of rebellions published on nomadic press check it out of the library or find it and buy it mm -hmm. if you can could you tell us maybe a little bit about the genesis of that project how you came into that and maybe the genesis of the poem i'd love to I, you know I, yeah. it's powerful i'd love to hear you read that as well thank you yeah i'm so so feel so fortunate to be a part of this beautiful collection of both um photography of the murals that were downtown oakland as well as essays and poems um a lot of creatives and artists in the bay area were really uplifted through that project um so again i'm super happy to be a part of it i was um invited by the founder of nomadic press jk fowler to be a contributor um to the book and jk and nomadic are just people and entities that i really look up to here in the community really creating platforms for poets specifically a lot of poets of color um, and so I was really, you know, very grateful to be invited to be part of the project. And so this poem, Say Her Name, that I contributed was actually a poem I had already previously written, but I felt like really connected to a lot of the intentions and mes messages that were being communicated through the book and talked about more at large during that time. Um, I feel like for me, the poem speaks about so many intersecting issues. Um, commentary on the you know importance and the legacy of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, talking about the perspective of being a Black woman, talking about safety, mm. um, the 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 lack of either trust or you know not being heard or seen or protected or safe. Um, these are all things that come to light in in this poem. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it brings this kind of lens of intersectionality um, that when we're talking about, you know, Black people in the future, um, Black people, like Black Lives Mattering, we have to talk about all of them, all of the intersections of, of the community. Um, and so I feel very fortunate that this poem was then paired with like these beautiful murals that were down downtown Oakland, um, both demanding justice for Black lives and also celebrating the beauty and the legacy of our community too. I mean, it's a gorgeous poem and a gorgeous book. It's paired with a, a Breonna Taylor mm -hmm. mural by, um, I, I guess I don't see the actual artist's name. I'm holding the book right now. If, you were, mm -hmm. if this was TV, we could show you, but um, <laughs> um, a beautiful photo by uh, Rohan DaCosta. Would, would yeah. you read us the poem? Yes, absolutely. Yes, that was, a, I felt like a very fitting uh, pairing. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that it would be paired um, with the mural, Breonna Taylor, but it was, I think, an excellent decision on their part. So, yes, I will read the poem. Say her name. They locked up history today, barred the doors, threw away the key, and called her truth false. Four walls between her and her children said, hush. These walls not for talking, only home wrecking. Here we learn grievance cannot be rehearsed. Justice only got catcalled once today. Not bad for a missing woman. If she's invisible in the first place, who's to say she was ever here? 
justice got taken too. So now we take to the streets saying, no justice, no peace. We yell our sister's names against the chorus of what she have on, to which we cry defiance. Oh, so she was asking for it, to which we remind them, nobody's got time to look inviting when there are revolutions growing beneath our tongues. What's that? Couldn't hear over all the white noise? Here we learn fragility doesn't listen anyway. So as history tells us, we must repeat ourselves. No justice, no peace. Yeah, really powerful work. That's such a great, I think, yeah, like you said, um, pulling together of the all the issues, all the intersectionality of the of violence mm -hmm. against women and, and violence against black people and white supremacy. Mm -hmm. um, so that, again, I mean, the first time I heard you reading, that was, uh, I'm not sure if you read that poem, but, but sort of the feeling of that, um, I was struck by sort of the power and rhythms of that. And it seems to me, perhaps at the root of poetry, it's an oral, oral tradition, but here it is in this beautiful book. You know, the, it's it's beautiful on the page. There's 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 rhythm clear in that as well. But you know, poetry, the power of poetry is being an oral tradition, and it's as we were talking about. You know, it's delivery in public spaces, as as public and 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 often political witness, being way out loud. Um. So how do you how do you sort of relate to that tradition, and maybe maybe the tension? I don't know. For some, it is. I think to the work is existing on the written page versus, you know, that you're that beautiful reading. Mm -hmm. I think that's an excellent question. Um, and it's something that I, I think about often actually, because there's some poems, you know, that I write that are new and then I come, I have an opportunity to speak publicly. And so I decide to share it. And it may be the very first time I'm saying a poem out loud. And in those cases, sometimes I have no idea at all how it's going to sound. I don't know how the poem wants to sound out loud. And mm. so it's an interesting experience kind of getting used to my own voice in a way. Um, again, there was a whole process of being comfortable with how I read the cadence of my poetry. Cause I wouldn't call myself like a slam poet or, you know, kind of a lot of people who do like spoken word poetry, there's like a level of kind of performance to the poetry. Um, and I don't think any style is good or bad or better, um, but it's different. And for me, I feel like I end up reading my poems in in more so just of a storytelling way, as if I imagine, you know, parents or aunts or uncles telling me stories that are then channeled through me, and then I get the opportunity to speak them out loud um, through my writing. And so it, it is interesting, because I do think some of the writing that I do is meant for the page. Um, even if I may read it out loud, some of the poems I do find myself enjoying more how I get to play with the words on the page, whether it's through spacing or how I make the words appear um, versus other poems definitely are demand to be read out loud. Um, and so I think it's cool being able to have the opportun opportunity to do both. And also with practice comes just getting more comfortable with my own voice and more comfortable with the poems themselves. Though I do find that sometimes the poems change over time like there's certain lines, even in the poem that I just read, that I'm still playing around with how I want to say them. Or sometimes I might read a poem one way 
for an audience in a specific context and maybe I'll read it differently on a different day a different kind of voice or a different character may come out mm -hmm. and so it kind of keeps you on your toes and it's fun because it feels like I'm also constantly learning with myself I'm learning with my writing because there's always a new surprise kind of waiting for me mm. Well, one of the, uh, you know, interesting things, too, is you're as a, as a poet and as an artist yourself, you're also in, in your role as um, as the um, sort of public platforms and, and programming. Um, I, I forget that, your actual title, but, you know, as, mm -hmm. as the specialist, one of the specialists there, one of the chief uh, persons doing that kind of work, you, you really support other artists. You're creating an incredible open mic series. I mean, I've, there's been some incredible readers and... and and poets who have been there through the pandemic and towards the end of the pandemic, some amazing um, you know, African American authors who um, who are you know are critical and, and crucial, um, and and then just folk you know people in the community mm -hmm. reading. Um, so t tell me about that work a little bit and 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 how you find that feeding. I can imagine that you know like oh great I get to hear so many cool people today mm -hmm. you know let's see part part of part of both your education and, and honing as a poet I imagine yeah I feel very lucky to be able to be both a poet and also in my professional work at the Museum of the African Diaspora as the senior public programs manager I am helping to create platforms for other poets other artists just generally um, so in our department we literally are putting on all the public facing events for the museum and so MOAD has a range of, of programs, whether it's artist talks, film screenings, book club, poetry readings. Um, there's really a lot of entry points for people to learn about the diaspora, to learn about contemporary Black artists from around the world. And so I feel very fortunate to be always surrounded by art and also have you know the opportunity to really focus on the literary arts through my role. And so I really lead a lot of our you know literary author-focused, poetry-focused events. Um, as you mentioned, uh, running our open mic series for the last several years. And so it's it's wonderful because I'm also learning from all these amazing poets, but it's very fulfilling to, to be able to create platforms for other people um, because I know how important it is. Um, being invited by my friends and peers in the poetry community to perform at a new space, to reach a new audience. And so that's what I really want. To help facilitate for other people I, there's so many great poets and, and artists around me that i want everyone to know about and so i feel very fortunate that i get to be paid i get to be paid to help help put people on and have their voices reach other audiences um so it's a really good um position to be able to kind of do both while also honing my craft learning from the people that i get to work with mm. um so i feel very lucky about that yeah, I think I, I heard you in another one of those, um, something at Yerba Buena, I forget what it was, but it was uh, mm -hmm. really wonderful to see just the range of, of people who were who were being represented and, and, and the folks who, who were coming through to read, and certainly with the Zoom. I thought, you know, one of the things, it's uh, it's getting to be 10.52, we, we had a little mm -hmm. bit of a late start, um, mm -hmm. and so I wanted to maybe take a break uh, play a spot and maybe play one of your songs the um sure. the Aaron Allen Kane this is I I've heard her before but I think only in the context of uh, in other people's work I think mm. certainly with Asia Monet this is a, this is a beautiful track 
called mm-hmm. uh, Love Supreme from uh, Detroit's Aaron Allen Kane from 2019's LP, um, A Tree Planted in Water. Tell me a little bit about this. I mean, it's such a poetic, and of course, Asia Monet is a yeah. brilliant poet herself. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the songs that I was sending were kind of in that same vein. They're all, you know, instrumental heavy, but this one sp- specifically spoke to me just because the pairing of both a vocalist, a singer with a spoken word poet. And Aja Monet is one of my favorite poets. And I just feel like there's just so much soul in their voices together. Um, And I also love hearing poets doing their poetry over um, musical tracks. Um, That's something I've had the opportunity to do maybe once or twice. And it's a very, it's a different experience of reading poetry. And so I think the two of them have done it so well that it's just very inspirational. Well, let's go with that track, and uh, we'll be back if it's all right. Maybe go a little over into the 11 o'clock hour. Uh, Sounds good. Okay. Um, Sounds good. And we'll uh, we'll play this track. So, again, this is from uh, 2019's A Tree Planted by Water, Aaron Allen Kane, Love Supreme with, with Asia Monet. Here we go. Oops. Here we go. Because their anger is not ours to carry, their bullets or brokenness, because hopeless is not our horizon, because healing is a duty and obligation, because God is a holy action, a woman who changes with weather, because in between we dance, because times are hard and we are timeless, because we cherish the groove and the ground we walk on, water and wishes well-worn, because we suffer without defeat refusing to be destroyed because we miracle and magic charm and spell because we forgive but never forget we know justice isn't determined by a judge because karma never dies for the wizards and ways of our defiance visions of our rising risen selves Overcoming grace, fire, spitter tongues, wise as rickety rocking chairs, suffering salt and sand skies and memories unshackled, shining stitches on a stretch-marked heart. For the flowers that bloom in midnight scars, how we suffered and sought a north star when there was no light. We glowed and sparked. We glowed and sparked. This rejoice, this righteous delight, this reunion, a longing to be held, the endless embrace. We got a cause to take joy in, how we weathered and persisted, tenacious, no stone unturned. Moon shining, shared laughter, patient smiles, reminiscing on first times, mistakes, and unrequited loves playful and fresh, kinfolk codes of cool, calm, and copacetic. How we witnessed the horror of mankind and did not become that which horrified us, a love supreme. That was sudden. That was Asia Monet 
uh, poetry with um, the beautiful work. The beautiful work of um, of Aaron of, uh, of Aaron Allen Kane from 2019's A Tree Planted by Water. I'm going to take a second to uh, do a spot for an underwriter, and we'll be back with Nia McAllister, a uh, poet and uh, the uh, Senior Public Programs Manager at the Museum of the African Diaspora and lead editor at Earth and Color. And talk a little bit more and hear some more poetry and uh, thank you for tuning in to the Frequency Uplift here at KXSF LP San Francisco. And uh, thanks, of course, to this underwriter who's supporting this hour of programming. Hey, KXSF listeners and Bayview neighbors. Lucky Grocery Store is moving into the neighborhood with everything you love, all in one place. From local products to everyday items at prices you need. Check out the grand opening of your new Lucky store today at Bayview Plaza at the corner of 3rd Street in Evans. KXSF would like to thank Lucky Grocery Store for their support. And we're back. And uh, we are, with any luck, back with Nia McAllister, poet and uh, amazing activist, environmental and cultural. Uh, Nia, are you there? I get you online here. Oh, here we go. What's going on here? Uh, oh, that's it. That's what's up. Nia, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, sorry about that. This is one of those evenings. But uh, no I, I appreciate you putting up with my uh, technical flubs today <laughs> and my uh, my tardiness. But um, that was an amazing that is an amazing track. I actually hadn't heard that before and was excited to hear it. Really loved the kind of feeling of like the, the, that final line of this is our love supreme with kind of the mm -hmm. beautiful backdrop of soul music and the water water sounds. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about how you found or related to that track? How did I find this track? I think Aja Monet had released some other spoken word tracks more recently. And so then I was doing a deep dive to see if she had any other work, um, you know, in partnership with other artists. And so mm. I found this album and then was obsessed with the album <laughs> and listening to all the songs. But I think the whole album is great. Um, but again, yeah, it's that, that pairing of spoken word with vocals with the instrumental um it is really soulful and i think also just like the messaging um in ajna's poetry is always really compelling um something you know to be inspired by and so i really appreciate how they work together on this track and i think they're probably i think they're friends in real life too and that comes through and just mm. the pairing of, of their words together yeah a gorgeous gorgeous track thanks for turning me on to that one I, this, yeah, this of is half of this is like, oh, what are the what are the cool poets listening to? And right, <laughs> <laughs> I get some new things. <laughs> well, uh, again, I, I was excited to uh, hear you're a Kokoroko fan, and uh, I'm playing mm -hmm. uh, "Carry Me Home" in the background from uh, nice. the Baba Ayula EP. Love that one. It is gorgeous. And um, so, tell me a little bit. You're you're you know part of the subtext of that is sort of we're 
in survive we're surviving and because of, we're surviving because of, of our activism you're also the mm -hmm. the lead editor you know beyond doing all this cultural work and cultural organizing you're the lead editor at uh, earth in color which has described as a creative studio and media platform focused on blackness and greenness and really mm -hmm. there's a lot in that tell me a little bit about your environmental justice activism and how yeah. that how that how they so those actually, things come together yes they were very connected that was actually my academic background in college um i studied i got a degree in environmental analysis with a focus on um, race, class, gender, and the environment, um, with a focus on environmental justice. And so I found that in that context, it, it was really, um, I don't know what the right word is, but once I first took my environmental analysis class for the very first time, everything clicked for me. I you know, knew about climate change, I knew about sustainability, um, and I you know, already cared about social justice um, and kind of community-oriented movements. And so when I first took a class and I realized that like environmental justice was a thing that really paired thinking about the environment through the context of people being inherently part of it. Um, I think in some of the kind of traditional environmental sustainability conversations and organizations, there's this idea of kind of the wilderness or the environment as separate from people. Um, and once the kind of the, the switch flipped and mm. I was able to think about everything as connected that the environment is also literally the homes that we're in, the places, our neighborhoods, our communities. We cannot separate ourselves from the environment. Um, and also specifically thinking about, you know, things like climate change, things like environmental racism, um, food access, those issues all disproportionately affect people of color, communities of color around the, around the globe. Um, and that was a really big focus of my work in school. And so that has always been something that I carried outside of that context as something that's important to me. And so I think it finds ways into my writing, it finds ways into my MOAD work, but also I feel like I get to really specifically focus on those issues and also kind of think about solutions um, with my work with Earth and Color. Mm. And I was fortunate to connect with the founder in 2019 and have been working with them since and it is a creative platform and you know we're really focused on storytelling as you as you said at the intersection of blackness and greenness and so it's you know uplifting black voices and sharing a range of perspectives whether it's about black land histories um, about sustainability tips about you know cultural conversations about the environment it's, um, that are happening and whether it's pop culture or um, other mediums through art um, or talking about the intersection of earth science and black history. We want to create a variety of entry points for folks to just learn more about how people are inherently connected to nature, inherently connected to the environment. Um, and kind of with that information about how connected we are, hopefully sparking people's curiosity to rebuild relationships with the environment. Yeah. Um, you know, that kind of care that comes with realizing you're part of the environment, I think is one part of this puzzle of how we can better care for our world, our globe as a whole, our earth. Um, obviously there's many intersecting issues um, that we need to address in terms of how we mitigate climate change, et cetera, mitigate things like um, food apartheid. Um, but I think that critical piece about thinking about humans as interconnected with nature, interconnected with the environment is super important um, and so, again, I feel very fortunate to help 
facilitate other people's perspectives, um, you know, bringing those to our platform, working with writers to edit the stories that we share, um, bringing those stories to life through both long form pieces, pieces that are shared through social media, through audio, through visual. Um, so it's a really um, very uh, affirming process to be able to work with a lot of creatives and tell these stories as well. Mm. Yeah, just in a cursory view through the site, there's a lot of really interesting stuff about, like you were saying, sort of black land practices and traditional, you know, because I think one thing that's interesting to me in that, you know, as we endeavor in the in environmental justice movement to take leadership from indigenous people and honor mm -hmm. the traditional stewards of the land, uh, you know, black culture out of a meaning, out of, out of survival as well, like held on to a lot of that, those traditional methods and mm -hmm. a lot of those things. And it seemed like that's exactly. a big part of that. Yeah, there's a lot to learn from those who have come before us, those who are currently here, there are practices, mm -hmm. um, kind of those ways of being in, in relationship to the land. Um, I wonder if, you know, since this is both activism and poetry here, I wonder if you could read us a poem again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to read a poem inspired by the writing of Toni Morrison. It is entitled, In the Day Diamonds Are in the Water. The only time the ocean cut me, I bled stories. They said, what a beautiful yet terrifying thing it is to be free. They said, we have traveled years to bring you our name. We knew you'd forget them or worse, never recognize them in the first place. They said, rememory me, unfold your tongue, gather in your hand all the cities your foremothers birthed freedom in, scatter milkweed seeds in the wind and call us home. So waterlogged and weary, I bandage my wounds with diamonds and rise from sea foam memory, homebound. I have never been far from the page. How else to learn what moonlight looks like through blue-eyed promises? Oh, but to be Sonia, to be Tony, to be wind in a cotton field scattering marigolds. I wish I knew Arkansas clouds like I do the lines on a palm, like I do the recipe for forgiveness. Joy is memory in the refrain, magic too hopeful to stay hidden. See, the trick to befriending stories is listening after all. Yet sometimes belonging cannot be traced by tide lines or railroads carved out of the night sky, but rather dog-eared pages and overdue book finds. Having a library to owe things to makes one at home, right? So we write, we sing, we rename our story legacy before they claim we were never here in the first place. Find us on the page as she said this. This is the first battlefield we play on. Hear our words dance and so we too leap into blissful surrender. And one day we will fly and one day we will fly. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Um, definitely, definitely it seems a, a sentiment for it from an activist. Mm. You know, <laughs> yes. someday we will all fly. We're going to fly together. Right? You know? Yep. So it's mm -hmm. a really beautiful ending. 
Um, and that is again in the day diamonds are in the water. Is that, did I get that right? Yes. Uh, yes, that's correct. And that's actually a line from um, Beloved by uh, Toni right. Morrison. Um, so again, uh, some of that is perhaps inspired from your work at Earth and Color. And I just wanted to mm-hmm. give props to the platform again. And folks should check that out at Earth in Color, all one word, dot co. And uh, thank you. Beautiful, beautiful work there and interesting essays um, for sure. So, you know, it, it begs the question, you know, one of the things that as someone who's done a lot of activist work in my life is, is what do you feel like is the key to fighting that kind of environmental racism, the accelerating climate crisis, really, that it's almost become a truism, disproportionately Mm -hmm. affects communities of color and people in the global south. Is there, you know, you know, I'm not asking for the the manifesto (laughs) solution, but, you know, where do do you see the, our focus and and what's the most, what what do you, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a big question. I and I don't think, <laughs> I don't think there's one solution. All right. um, but I do think being rooted in community can only help us. Mm. Um, I think that is a critical point for us to all get on the same page about um, in terms of survival, in terms of longevity, in terms of just caring for both each other and caring for the environment. Um, I think especially in the last few years and obviously going back further, I feel like there's been a growing kind of disconnect just between people. Um, people don't know their neighbors. Um, they don't feel like they can rely on their neighbors or the people around them for safety or for in, in, in moments of need. Um, and as the world changes around us, as the environment is changing us around us, we are more and more likely going to see um, an experience, you know, whether it is, situations of crisis or pandemics, et cetera. Um, and that this necessity, the, the, the connections that we have with one another, I really, I think are critical. Um, and so I, I too am trying to practice this, um, being in community with folks, whether that is like physically getting our hand dirty together, um, being a part of learning how to grow your own food, um, being kind of sovereign and, and sustained and, um, independent in those ways, I think as much of the skills that we can learn both for ourselves and teach each other, um, I think those are very tangible things that we can be doing now um, to, you know, they're not going to, you know, make these larger issues go away, these kind of structural systemic issues go away. Um, But I do think those are critical tools that we need to have as we start, start to think about what is possible in our, in our capacity. Um, to address things like climate change mm. um, on on this broader scale. But, you know, just the power of being like, I actually do have it within my capacity to sustain myself, to, to sustain my neighbors, my family with food that's grown in my backyard or with food that I can, you know, harvest and then take and share with my community. Um, I think that is one important step that we should all be learning about and sharing information with each other. Well, that's really, uh, you know, it seems like part and parcel of your work as a community builder, as, as uniting folks um, through, through literature, through culture. Um, how about for your own work? Where do you, where do you see yourself as coming in, in the near-term future um, with your artistic and community work? Evolve? How is that evolving? Are you 
collecting work. We've we sort of had a, a brief back and forth about mm-hmm. that. And are you looking looking to publish in a in a big way or? Yeah, I would love to have my book out there in the world. Um, I feel like I have a lot of poems that I've written over the last several years that are accruing in a Google Doc um, and are ready to be out in the world. Excellent. It's been really lovely to have individual poems, you know, published in Painting the Street or in some other anthologies and journals. Um, but I would really like to see my poems to be in conversation with each other in in a published manuscript. And so, yes, that is. The next stage for me personally is kind of um, compiling all the all the pieces that I've written, writing some new pieces as well that speak to kind of my present position and how I'm thinking about the world um, and, and putting together a manuscript. So I'm very excited about that prospect. Cool. Are there any um, particular um, upcoming readings or events either at the Museum of the African Diaspora or elsewhere you want to? talk about yeah since you're there Uh, absolutely um yeah so i i host the open mic at moad um we're still keeping it online at the moment um so actually this upcoming week on february 16th that is thursday from 6 to 8 p.m we will be having our virtual open mic um the zoom link and details are all on moad's website which is moadsf.org and we have a wonderful local poet Brianna Grogan, who's going to be our feature, and I'm super excited for her poetry. She's amazing. So I highly recommend everyone join us online for that experience. And we welcome folks who either want to read. There's a, a link to sign up again on Moad's website, or people can just tune in to listen and support the wonderful poets who come through. But it's been amazing seeing it grow from just kind of an in-person local event with amazing poets here to now you know, being online and, and welcoming people from across the country, from across the world, you know, out of state, out of the country. Um, such a range of voices have been able to be on this platform. So super proud of that um, that space and also, you know, excited to bring it back again this week. Um, and also for other poets who might be interested in coming through who are local to um, San Francisco, to the Bay Area, we will be doing another poetry reading on Thursday, February 23rd. So about two weeks from now, um, celebrating the book Black Fire this time, um, which is an excellent anthology um, compiled by Dr. Kim McMillan, um, who's the editor of that. And it's really just a testament to the Black arts movement, to so many poets, both past and present, um, who have just like made an incredible impact on the Black poetry community. And so 13 readers readers will be joining us in person at MOAD uh, to celebrate that book. So I'm super excited for that and recommend that folks check out our website again, moatsf.org, um, to learn more about those those programs coming up. Great. Well, thank you so much for um, coming through. I know we're, we're over time um, for sure, and I'm sure you're busy, but uh, would you grace us with another poem before we wrap things up? Absolutely. Let me see, a final poem for this evening. Um, I will share this poem, which is entitled, How the Border Sings Itself to Sleep at Night. One, they made me out of nothing. I was soil touching sand, lush green life, new roots, twigs, brush. I was everything. I was beautiful. My body was precious earth, alive with worms, seeds, and silt, a medley of hues and textures, wild and untamed, almost as if I was meant to stay that way. My natural curves blended beside my sister soil, 
our ends and our beginnings indistinguishable. We braided rivers between us, caught rainfall in shared valleys, and the wind, she carried both of us upon her tongue. There was no need to tell one of us from the other. We were beautiful. We were everything. Two, until they came, not in silence, but singing the good word of nationhood and promising the safety of somebody's homeland. Their song turned to whisper as they said, hmm, how dare this land lie beside this stream, beside this valley, too unified, too comfortable in their own home. So let us make them a new one. They came ready to build, armed with apathy, they arrived measuring sticks in hand, their purpose written not across their faces, but upon maps arbitrarily lined with our fate. They came, they promised us the future, and they cut us apart. Drove metal stakes into my flesh, stole my living, breathing body, caged my brown skin between cold concrete walls, and renamed me Border. Three, but now I answer to empire. I answer to home wrecker. I answer to twin caskets, too small to fly flat rate. I answer to surveillance. I answer to national emergency. I answer to weak leaders who fear the resilience. They renamed me security, but this metal being promises you no safety. Four, I know exactly who authored my new beginning. Five, there was power once and being of the land and being it so entirely, we could be nothing but free. Six, they politicized their man-made line in the sand. I say man because I know power intimately. The feeling of it slipping from my grasp in the name of greatness, how it leaves behind instead barbed wire and bones, how it uproots my home and promises it knows what's best for me how it builds me up to serve their wishes only to turn around and call me culprit. Like I said, I know men intimately because they fear my power. Seven, soil keeps better memory because we are witness to history decomposing its own kin. Eight, and now you decide to walk across me as you should. Remember, my living skin was made for walking, for cradling, and for carrying. See, land knows how to care for what's both above and within. As you walk across me, remember, this wild, untamed earth is no stranger to birthing life, to sustaining cycles. I have always been the place of beginning and return. As you now walk across us, remember, how we came from nothing, but we were everything. So in this life, in another and the next, I hope you cross us freely. I hope our ends and our beginnings are once more indistinguishable and that we collect rainfall once more in our shared valley. Wow, that's beautiful. What a perfect ending. Mm -hmm. tell, me, tell me again the, the title. The title of this one is called How the Border Sings Itself to Sleep at Night. Gorgeous. 
Well, Nia McAllister, thank you so much for coming through. Um, this is our second Sunday's poet here at uh, San Francisco Community Radio, KXSFLP San Francisco, 102.5 FM. Um, and, you know, we, we've heard some amazing music and some amazing words, and I really appreciate uh, your presence and your work and, and coming through tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you for the invitation. This has been a wonderful conversation. I'm just so happy to talk about these things and to share this space. So thank you. Thank you. So um, one one more thing. So we, we you have two other songs on your Poets playlist, both of which I love and both of which you know are bands that I, especially Salt, I'm so, I'm, mm. I'm so in love with those guys. But um, uh, which one would you like to end with? Ooh, I, I feel like we should do Salt. Salt's a nice, you know, upbeat ending. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So uh, do you want to tell us anything more about that or shall we let them speak for themselves? I feel like it can speak for itself. It's just, it's new, it's new music from Salt. Yeah. They put out like five albums all at once. And so there's a lot of new content and this is just one of my favorites. <laughs> it is beautiful. And it's so amazing, that whole range. Also that those five or four or five albums that dropped at the same time, all fit, very different in flavor. They're and, so different. Exactly. Even some punk rock in there and there's exactly there's soul and all of that stuff so um, yeah they have range they do have range they have mad range and and often give it away which they did for mm -hmm. the first month it was it was right out, so you know, very very generous very generous very community oriented so again thank you nia McAllister, for coming through and uh check her out check out moadsf.org for uh the readings that she was mentioning and uh and you have your own website. It's uh, niamcallister.com. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. Check out all that I've got going on there. And you can check some of those poems. You can find links to some of the poems that she read tonight and uh, more and more. So this Absolutely. is again, this is again, Salt Hire from the album 11. Enough said. Let them speak. Thank you.
Radio is a powerful medium for celebrating humanity in all its diversity and constitutes a platform for democratic discourse. Radio can shape a society's experience of diversity and stand as an arena for all voices to speak out, be heard, and be represented. The United Nations Education, Scientific, and Cultural Organization has established February 13th as World Radio Day since 2012. This year's theme is Radio and Peace. Radio can moderate conflicts, while relevant programs and independent news reporting provide the foundation for sustainable democracy and good governance by informing citizens and brokering dialogue among different groups in society. From your friends and neighbors here at KXSF 102.5 FM, happy World Radio Day. Underwriting for KXSF comes from City Beer, a family-owned community gathering spot to sip a fresh draft while mingling with friends old and new. Visit our new home at 853 Valencia Street, where we offer a well-curated selection of beer, wine, and cider, both to enjoy on-site or take home. There's plenty of seating and an outdoor parklet, all in the heart of the mission. So visit City Beer, a San Francisco fixture since 2006, now located at 853 Valencia Street between 19th and 20th. Indeed. Thank you. And we're going to end here, at least with this section, as we began with Kokoroko's Age of Ascent in the background. And thank you, uh, thanks again to Nia McAllister, our second Sunday's poet, for coming through, reading her work, talking about her work as an environmental activist, as a community builder, as a platformer for um, black voices uh, in both literature and uh, and and the environment, the environmental justice movement, and we're broadcasting here. It seems fitting to say here on almost World Radio Day on Inyalamu, on unceded Ramai Tush Ohlone territory. Thank you for tuning into the Frequency Uplift. So we got a we got about a half an hour with some nice music. I'll probably give away some tickets if you're lingering maybe in about 10 15 minutes gonna play a few tracks some stuff some new stuff that i was excited about and uh you know since i said i was gonna play them i probably should uh some brilliant stuff that's just been released from you know all over the world as it's one as we are want to do here on the frequency uplift and uh let me find it And again, check, thanks to our underwriter, City Beer Store. Check them out. I, I understand they, they had some some mad, strong triple IPAs. My the sound guy that I was talking to earlier uh, today said that. But these guys, yeah, let's let's play the the end of uh, of Ms. Nia uh, McAllister, our poet's playlist, and. Uh, Another favorite band of mine. We have some similar taste here, which was was cool to see. Which included uh, uh, some old work. I think the second, probably the second release from back in 2019. You Can't Steal My Joy from the Ezra Collective. Credible band. And who are, in fact, where is it? I have it written down here. They're, in fact, coming through town very soon. In March, I think it's the end of March. Where did I write that down? Looking through the notes, you know, community radio. Ah, oh, there we go. On Tuesday, March 28th, still 
a ways away, so I certainly don't have any tickets for that, but uh, some other cool stuff. Uh, yeah, Tuesday, March 28th, you go see the Ezra Collective at uh, the, Cornerstone, the Cornerstone Craft Beer and Live Music Spot uh, there at 2367 Shattuck, downtown Berkeley. Nice venue, been there. Um, I think I saw, what was the Ezra Collective? I think it was at the Independent the last time I saw them a couple years ago. But uh, great band. I was just thinking about them, in fact, because the drummer, Femi Colioso, um, he also plays in the Gorillas and Rise in Power. Plug 2, True Goy the Dove, Rise in Power Men, David Jude, Jolie Coeur, uh sang on that, that track from the Gorillas, the famous one, uh, the, the, the Feel Good Inc. But uh, maybe we'll play that in a minute. Right now we're going to play from Nia McAllister's Poets Playlist. This is Space is the Place from the Ezra Collective. Again, out of the UK. Brilliant music. And a great drummer, Femi Colosso. He totally rocks. Here we go. Uh, sorry about that. Let's rewind that. I'm having I'm having a connections and button problem day. Here we go. KXSF frequency uplift. Space is the place. Ezra Collective. You can't. You may not, and you will not steal my joy.
South Africa. New music. Makani Dyer.
And that was new music. Exciting new music from um, the Afrobeat legend and, you know, mentor to so much of the UK scene. You gotta, gotta give him props for that. Mr. Deli Sosimi from his new band, The Estuary 21, Ride Out the Storm, the new album just out on, uh, on uh, Wawa 45s. And uh, Deli Sosimi, of course, was like the lead, uh, one of the lead piano rhythm players in uh, in the Egypt 80 with uh, Fela Kuti, helped found Positive Force with his son Femi Kuti, and now has been doing his own thing for quite some time and bringing up whole scenes, like including the Kokoroko, who again we're hearing in the background, because I can't get enough of those guys. But I thought I would transition into uh, some fun with the incredible um, Indian uh, instrument builder and uh, just merging Western and, and uh, Indian instruments and, uh, and playing some incredible stuff, but a master sitar player as well. But he often places odd, weird slide, uh, slide serodes and things like that. But a gorgeous musician and really a maestro at this point. Debashish Bhattacharya, and he just released The Sound of the Soul. And thinking about that, thinking about that, uh, I don't know, these things have come together. The Sound, his lovely track, The Colors of Joy, I thought we'd start out with, but I do want to uh, do the ticket thing, because I said I would, and it's about time. It's getting late. It's about quarter of, I got about 14 minutes to do all this stuff. So why don't I, uh, oops, why don't I do that? Let's look at the ticket book and see what we can give you tonight, today, tomorrow. You know, Valentine's Day is coming up. Feeling the love? I'm feeling the love. But, uh, you know, once it's done, you can go to Nerd Night. Love Never Dies at the rickshaw stop on Wednesday the 15th. 7 p.m. show. I got two tickets for that. So, yeah. Want to go check out Nerd Night at the Rickshaw Stop. Love Never Dies. I got the noise pop. A great noise pop. And I'm not going to play any of these guys, though I do like uh, the two local bands I know are playing. This is Noise Pop 30. 30th anniversary of Noise Pop. Prop to those guys. Um, this is a pre-party. First, first show out, more or less, for their Noise Pop Festival. This Thursday, the 16th, the Reds, Pinks, and Purples with Chime School, local heroes, all of them, Richmond District, you know, not quite funky, but but really quite interesting bands. Chime School, the, Red, the Reds, Pinks, and Purples, Noise Pop Party 30 with the headliner Rex, that's Thursday the 16th. I'll give you one more shot. Oh, how about this? A Night of Jazz at the Stork Club in Oakland, if you're out over that side. At the Stork Club on Thursday the 16th. Yeah, why not? Thursday, Thursday the 16th. A Night of Jazz with Baby Steps, the May Powell Sextet, one of my favorite local bands. And I Am the Octopus. I have no idea who that is, but great name. 
Thursday the 16th as well. 8 p.m. show. The beautiful store club out there in Oakland. I got a pair of tickets for that. 415-648-7327. This is The Colors of Joy by Debashish Bhattacharya. And here we go with that. 415-648-7327. 415-SFCR. Give me a call. I'll repeat the tickets, or you know, maybe I'll look and you know, if I'm if I'm feeling it, I'll I'll look see if there's other things you might like. Four one five six four eight seven three two seven. Give me a call. This is Colors of Joy, Debashish Bhattacharya from the Sound of the Soul, just out.
it's starting to get a little late. I have to play a few spots. This is, again, The Sound of the Soul. New release on Abstract Logics by the brilliant instrument builder and sitar and name and instrument maestro Debashis Bhattacharya. Bhattacharji. Colors of Joy, the track. I'll put uh, Elba by Fat and Kanan. We'll have to come back. Incredible electronic music artist out of out of Brooklyn and Lebanon and Syria and Jordan. But a couple of we'll play the we'll play more of her. She has a full new release coming out. But uh, to begin, a couple of spots. Thanks again to our poet Nia McAllister for coming through. A uh, brilliant uh, artist, activist. Check out her work. And the ongoing open mics at the Museum of the African Diaspora, moadsf.org. KXSF is also excited uh, next Sunday. We'll also, we had a great live session with the band Lay Lie this afternoon. We're going to do another live session with Mission District. Uh, it's actually a, I don't even know how you say it, a great, it's a 10-piece band. I've only seen seven of their pieces before, honestly. But the beautiful uh, uh, all-women's sep, sextet slash septet slash octet. Ten pieces are supposed to be showing up of the band Aguapura. We're very excited for that. Next Sunday, 3 p.m. live, KXS Lift Live Sessions. But let's uh, play a couple spots and get ready for the midnight hour. This is Elba by Fatim Kanan in the back. Underwriting for KXSF comes from Noise, a record shop located in the Richmond district between 39th and 40th Avenue, specializing in local bands, artists, and music producers. Contact them calling 415-702-6006 or email them at noisemusicsf at gmail.com. Thanks to Noise for supporting San Francisco Community Radio KXSF. Old Jerusalem is proud to underwrite KXSF 102.5 FM, a small family-owned Mediterranean restaurant with a beautiful heated outdoor patio. Old Jerusalem is 16 years in the heart of the mission Their West Bank cuisine is a traditional spread of Middle Eastern delights. You can check them out at www.oldjerusalem.co or visit at 2966 Mission Street at 26th, two blocks from 24th Street, BART in San Francisco. Thank you. This is KXSF. LP San Francisco 102.5 FM. It is midnight and I have to get off the air. This has been the frequency uplift. Thanks for tuning in. In the background, one of the things I intended to play but didn't, but again, that's this is Koki Nakano, Infinite Column from Japan. We've had a sampling. We're going to have to re-go back. Didn't even get to the brilliant um, 
the brilliant uh, stuff that uh, Mr. David Jude Jolicoeur or Trugoy the Dove, Rise in Power, did with uh, with Gorillaz. May have to do that again. But this is the Frequency Uplifting Out, KXSFLP San Francisco, 102.5 FM. It is midnight and a little past. Good night.